You're listening to the Bon Appetit Foodcast. I'm Adam Rappaport. On today's show, editors Andrew Knowlton and Julia Kramer talking about their list of the best new restaurants in America, which we reveal in the September issue of Bon Appetit on Stands Now. While searching for these restaurants, they were literally flying thousands of miles, ingesting a gazillion calories, having a drink or two along the way. Yeah, it's a hard job. Someone's got to do it. And hey, if you want to partake in all this goodness, you can join us at our Hot 10 party on September 8th, 2016 here in New York City. All 10 chefs from the best new restaurants in America will be there cooking. It's at Spring Studios down here in Tribeca. Uh, and you can buy tickets at thebahot10.com. So check it out. All right, right now, here's Julia and Andrew. Guys, you're finally free to talk about the Hot 10 after months of embargo. You can reveal what the best new restaurants in America are. Wow, this is what freedom feels like. <laughs> it, it feels like it. I mean, we've been working on this issue, the September issue, for so long that it feels like two years old now. You know, like it's, we can, I mean, to finally talk to my family about it and tell them. Have you kept it a secret from, from your wife? I have. I don't tell anybody. But you literally didn't tell your wife <laughs> no, what the number one restaurant no, in America I told her, is? I told her what cities were included, and then I asked her if she wanted to guess. Okay. For the <laughs> listeners' for the listeners' sake, wow, you're such a nice husband. Um, <laughs> all right. So our September issue, uh, Best New Restaurants in America, what we call our Hot 10. You guys finalized your Hot 10 when exactly? May 1st. May 1st. So wow. our list runs from May 2015 to May 2016 is when, when, the, when the restaurants had to open in that window. To be considered, quote unquote, new. Exactly. Nolan, can you, by memory, can you run down our 10 best new restaurants <sighs> in America without Jeez. looking? So we have Staple House in the ATL, Georgia, number one. Number two is Bad Saint, which is a Filipino restaurant in D.C. And D.C. is also our restaurant city of the year. You hear that, Rappo? Which, as someone who grew up in Washington, D.C. Still doesn't believe it. I find shocking. <laughs> absolutely shocking. But <laughs> well, the last time, you admitted that the last time you ate out was 1989 in yeah. D.C. So yeah, and I things think, have changed. I think it was Yenching Palace, like one day at, <laughs> at lunch in senior year of high school, when we, when we could go off campus for lunch. Um, all right, Bad Saint, which is sort of a, a new, new school Filipino restaurant run by some young, cool Filipino-American kids. Uh, kids, adults. Um, number three. Three is Lord Stanley in San Francisco, which is a, kind of a tasting menu. Um, kind of, I guess, a little bit Nordic in its presentation, kind of minimalist, um, but with a focus on vegetables. And this is one of Kramer's babies on the list. So, um, This is a husband and wife chef who just make really, really beautiful food. I mean, it, and it's as delicious as it is beautiful. I don't want to say it's only no. aesthetic. That's good. Well, this is interesting. When I was, last year's number one restaurant was Al's Place in San Francisco. And while I was out there reporting that story, I went to Lord Stanley on their, like, their second night. And I knew, I felt like it was going to be a contender. It wasn't quite there, but it's improved so much over our visits. Yeah, one of the cool things about this year was Andrew and I visited a lot of the same restaurants six months apart. Like we oh. sort of overlapped in funny Which ways. Which was nice to see the progression. Yeah, because also I think uh, it takes a while for some restaurants to find their footing or to really sort of you know mature, get in a groove, uh, what works, what doesn't work, totally. to settle on dishes that are sort of clicking, service, et cetera. And, and yeah, you want to give restaurants some time. Uh, number five. Four. Number four. Oh, I'm getting ahead. Sorry. Kramer, you can. Oh, Murcia. It's a Spanish and sort of also specifically Basque 
restaurant that's Ooh. in, of all places, Pittsburgh. Yeah. And I will say that Justin Severino, who's the head chef there, he opened another place called Cured uh, several years ago. I think he's the most underrated chef, if you can make such a claim in America. He's the charcuterie master. And if anyone goes there, just you could spend two hours just eating the charcuterie that he does. When people want to know how to make charcuterie, chefs around the country, they call Justin Severino. All right, I like that. Oh, this I like this one, number five, another Kramer favorite. Kramer, take it. I love this restaurant so much. This is Baru, um, which is in LA, and the chef is a guy named Kwang Ah, and he was born in Korea and has cooked all around the world, and then opened this totally nondescript storefront in East Hollywood in LA where he makes uh, rice bowls that taste like no other rice bowls you've ever had. A lot of fermentation and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, the place is sort of barely a restaurant. It seems like you've walked into someone's crazy fermentation experimentation center. (laughs) But it tastes good. It tastes insane. No, everybody's had a rice bowl, but this is like, it blows your mind when you have one of these rice bowls. Um, ooh, I like this one because I've been to this one. Mm. Number six, South Philly Barbacoa in Philadelphia. This is, yeah, this is one of the more oddball ones, I would say. We always have that one that kind of, I think, is the least expected. And yep. this is a, they basically do one thing and they do it really, really, really well, which is barbacoa, which is slow roasted lamb in their situation. Sometimes people do goat. But it's it's open from 7 a.m. to 4, and you can order it by the kilo. You can order it by the taco, um, and it's just super moist, and it's it's a husband and wife again, uh, a super compelling story, which we have an amazing video that is, is coming out soon that talks about she's an undocumented worker, and uh, she gave us permission to report on this incredible story. But it really is a... Restaurants are all about community. You've heard that before. But this one really is um, a pretty amazing story. Number seven. This is Oberlin in in the tiniest state in the Union, uh, Providence, Rhode Island. This is uh, Ben Suckle and his wife, Heidi. They opened this place called Birch a couple years ago, which I liked but wasn't like head over heels the way some, some people were about it. Um, but this one seems like he's super comfortable. It's not Italian-American, but it's kind of him reinventing Italian-American. So he does this kind of cool gnocchi dish, which is basically the best clam chowder. And and like a few places on our list, it's it's basically a wine bar where you go and kind of have crudo. He's got like a whole crudo bar. Um, and one of the cool things is he uses a lot of uh, trash fish. The That's the um, un-PC way of... Um, calling bycatch the fish that you're not supposed do to we, catch do we do we really have to be pc when are we worrying about offending fish it just there's there is no <laughs> trash fish every every that's such a good phrase every though every it's fish like, is special yeah every fish is great um no but it's just beautiful little place just like a stone's throw from johnson to wales the culinary school and and RISD and and brown um and it's kind of he's the he's the man in providence and um just fell in love with this restaurant sitting at the bar and Pastas and crudo. Uh, speaking about wine bars, uh, number eight. I think one of the probably the most the the favorite restaurant of restaurant people in New York City these days. Is that fair to say, Kramer? Yeah. So we're talking about Wild Air, and this is one that I am 
really glad to have off my chest because I feel like people keep asking me, what restaurant from New York is going to be in the hot 10? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> um, well, it's Wild Air, and we've been given permission to pronounce it Wild Air. Because um, in the beginning, was it people were saying, no, it's Wild Air, which was they wanted the it. They, that's the way they wanted to put it out there as Wild Air. Why? Which meant, is that like a Scandinavian sort of thing? Or? I have no idea yeah. what it means. They being... They being Jeremiah Stone and Fabian von Hausk, who are the two young chefs who first opened Contra, which is just a couple of doors down on the Lower East Side. And then this is their sort of more casual um, a la carte spot. And it's just, I think the reason why we all love it on staff is it's just a really fun place to hang out. You can just show up there. You can get a glass of wine. You can get a bottle of wine. You can stay there all night and just drink and hang out. And then the food starts coming out. And it's so good that you just keep ordering more and more. And yeah. it's just like a party every time you go. Number nine, going down south again. So this is the first time we've ever had a barbecue joint on our list. Um, and this is Buxton Hall Barbecue in in Asheville, North Carolina. It's Elliot Moss, who kind of has a fine dining background. He, he ran a place in Asheville before. Um, and he primarily does one type of barbecue, which is kind of South Carolina whole hog. One that comes with a little bit of vinegar with some... Um, chili flake in there so he just that's all the only thing he's barbecuing is whole hogs whole is that hogs correct? that's all he does because he only uses heritage pork and if you're if you're going to do a bunch of like ribs and all this other stuff you can't get those kind of pigs so the on heritage a regular being basis. like the brookshire pork like the expensive yeah and dying. it's just raised in a way that like if you visited the farm you'd be okay with it you yeah. know as opposed to commodity pork which yeah. you probably don't want to see um that's not knocking other places use commodity pork but um but the thing that this another restaurant julie and i both went to was as good as the barbecue is it's almost the other stuff like the hush puppies and we'll talk about the chicken sandwich perhaps later um and all the sides and fixings that he does and it's just a like barbecue has this amazing ability just to bring communities together and people from different backgrounds and that's what it you know Asheville's a pretty hippie neighborhood and this kind of flies in the face of that Kramer's what Kramer? is what is that look Kramer's kind of I just Andrew never mentions the desserts because there's just, pork on the menu. That's why I don't miss in the dessert. I would like to speak up for the pies at Buxton Hall, which are amazing. What kind? They have a banana cream pie that is like the best banana cream pie I've ever had. Now, Kramer, can I put you on the spot? This is the one restaurant that I don't think when I came and said I'd really like to put this one on the list, I don't think you were sold on this one. Ooh, yeah. Because you had gone there before and you were like, yeah, yeah, no, it's, well, the pies are good. I think this is a very similar, like reverse situation to Lord, Lord Stanley, Stanley, where yeah. I went to Buxton Hall the week it opened. Right. And just like you went to Lord Stanley the week it opened. And right. then when each of us went back there, like, seven months later, right. like really a long time later. It's, you get to see the restaurant performing at a much higher level, you know? Kramer okay. has a problem with restaurants that sell t-shirts, by the way. She thinks they've sold out. Well, wow. I mean, you have an obsession with restaurants that sell t-shirts. Barbecue restaurants sell t-shirts. That's what they do. <laughs> it's what they do. Wait, what was the biggest argument you guys had when you were deciding on the hot tent? Come on, Kramer. I know there was something that annoyed we you. Were, I, I, I mean... You, 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 yeah, you, you talk. I, I mean, I'm not trying to sound like saccharine, but I actually think we didn't really argue. We didn't. We, 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 it was, Aww. no, it was really for this, this being the year that we truly did collaborate on this list. It was, it was equal. Like there was no fights. Like I, you know, I said, what about this South Philly barbacoa place? And she's like, cool. You know, 
You're like that one couple that gets along really well. We get along so well. <laughs> and then in two years, we yeah. don't even talk to each other. <laughs> All right, number 10. Oh, so this another weird and wild wonky place uh, in Seven, uh, which is in New Orleans. New Orleans. Um, this is in the Bywater section, uh, and it's this. It's hard to find. Your Uber driver won't know where to go, and then all of a sudden you'll see this plywood fence that has a red number seven spray painted on it, and you kind of open the door, and you go down this rabbit hole of this kind of romantic oasis where this husband and wife own it, and they serve conserva which is a, a lot of fish and shellfish that is in cans so they just buy it they also have other stuff like escargot that's fried in tempura and they have a kind of a, a schnitzel a pork schnitzel you get there and you don't want to leave it's one of these places that you know next Why? thing well no next thing you know you've been there for four hours because you're drinking this amazing wine and there's all these you know new orleans is a, one of the best people watching places and you, you feel like you're in somebody's backyard, you know, along the N7, which is the road that used to run from Paris down to um, the Riviera, uh, which is actually the, the Michelin Guide was invented basically to review restaurants along the N7. Mm. Um, so it's just this magical oasis that you kind of get lost. And I think the best restaurants take you to a place that you don't get to experience every day of your life. And this was the most transporting restaurant for me. Kramer hasn't been to this one yet. She's going though. It's going to happen. We have a bunch of superlatives online, our sort of best of in specific categories. I love this year that the fried chicken sandwich gets its own category. That's so 2016. Every menu I, that you that you look at these days has a fried chicken sandwich. I don't know who started it or what like what the tipping point was. I mean, of course, Chick-fil-A's been doing it for a while, and then all of a sudden it kind of replaced the burgers, like the thinking man's burger. And we put up our list of the top five, but initially it was a top 10 list. I mean, we had so many fried chicken sandwiches. And you guys didn't even do a burger category this year. You just did the fried chicken. So like at number one, you gave Buxton Hall. It's number one. It's the best. It's the best fried chicken sandwich. Hands down. I'm looking at, I'm looking at a picture right now on our website that you took. I took. I am so hungry. It looks like white meat though. It's not, it's not thigh. No, the thigh thing I don't get, I want breast. I want white meat. I don't want those little weird, grisly things. But the cool thing he does, it's not just a fried chicken sandwich. He smokes the meat first on Ooh. on the barbecue. Um, so you get that. And then he deep buttermilk, deep fries it. Um, and then he puts American cheese on it. Brilliant. See, I'm going to I'm gonna diverge right here. You I don't, haven't had it. I don't <laughs> think. And it looks like a nice squishy bun and you got some pickles. I don't think fried chicken sandwich needs the cheese. You haven't had it. Well, I'm just saying in general, Kramer. I... Definitely side with Andrew. Thank you. <laughs> None of the other fried chicken sandwiches you put have cheese on well, them. No, of, well, well, yeah, but, no, no. That but, one. But let me point out, Buxton also has doesn't just have American cheese; it has pimento cheese as well, and that might be gilding, gilding the lily a little bit. But when you eat it, it all kind of just harmonizes into this mushy, crispy, crispy, crunchy. It's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you have the Vandal? Was that yours, Kramer? That's that, in Pittsburgh. That was That's me. Such, that one so looks good. Th- that one's good. That that the messed up thing about that was I didn't even order that sandwich, and <laughs> they were having a rough day at the Vandal. God bless them, and the dish. I ordered some duck confit sandwich, and the guy came over, and he's like, you know what? We didn't nail it today. And I was like, okay. They had no idea who I was, so they brought me. He's like, you should try our chicken sandwich. And then I there like the, it is the right drizzle, there. The drizzle of chili honey. That sounds good to me with a little crispy slaw action going on in yeah, there. And they also have um, the slaw is not just a cabbage slaw. It's got kohlrabi slaw. 
Um, okay, what else we got? Um, this one actually looks this this photo looks amazing. Uh, best lasagna. Always order the best goat pasta. Best the, pasta. Oh, best pasta. The goat lasagna at Tail Up Goat in Washington D.C. Yeah, that looks insane. So yeah, it's this kind of multi-layered. Oh, like it, it's one, not two, quite three, as three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Maybe like fifteen yeah, layers. So it comes with this braised kind of goat. Um, it's very labor intensive. So I think the chef got pissed that we named it number one because he's got to put it back on the menu. Um, what's that green stuff? Kind well, that's of, it looks the like cool guacamole thing. It, it's, no, top. it's like a it's like a salsa verde. So you, that's what's cool about it. It's like it, sometimes lasagna is so heavy and it's just like you have one bite and then it's like no tastes no. the same. No, 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 but it's a, it's redundant. It's a redundant thing. There's no redundant in a good way. Redundant no, 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 of good I know, stuff. But I don't over like and over. a big wedge of like. But anyway, this has this red salsa. It's got this green salsa. What I think is good about this one, and I haven't, I'm just judging from the look of it. It's yeah. similar to the one that Mario Batali, when Batali does his duck, um, he does a duck ragu lasagna at Babo. Okay. Um, and with the layers of just like that ragu sort of like creamy meat in between all these homemade pasta layers. But A, it's a ton of layers. B, they always serve it almost like at room temperature. Yeah, it's, so it's not hot. So it's, it's like not a, hot. It's like a brick. Yes. And it, and it holds its holds shape. Holds together. That's a big deal. That blows my mind. Um, also, I like that you guys had, I feel like, no, I feel like I'm leaving you out here, Kramer. I'm going to get you some Oh, questions. she's got plenty coming up. It's called dessert. I like, <laughs> as a nice Jewish boy, I'm intrigued by the chicken liver ravioli at Drifter's Wife in Portland, Maine. So Drifter's Wife, I, I, this was one that we, I think, if if we did the hot fifteen, I would go out on a limb and say this might have made it. Um, they had this wine store, and then in the front, the the um, the wine was getting too hot from the sun, so they had to move the wine back. So they're like, "Well, shit, let's let's open a little restaurant." So it's like four tables. They do like three or four uh, dishes a night, and the one I had was just this just classic simple chicken liver mousse made with a little bit of brandy, and then in these kind of light feathery ravioli. Serve with a little brown butter. And it's just like, that's all you mm. want pasta to be. Mm. Kramer, uh, dessert time. These look amazing. Talk to me about the the best donuts of the year, the donuts at Hole in uh, Asheville, North Carolina. Okay, the that's problem me. is... That's me. That's Knowlton again? That's me. I thought you went to Asheville. I did go to Asheville. She messed up. She I, messed up. I had all the... I was allowed to get all the runners up on this list of that best desserts. That is not true. That is not true. But, but Andrew chose the winner. These donuts are all kind of like they're like I don't like they're, they're I don't all like dessert. misshapen and kind of they're like the ugly child that's actually the genius. They look so you walk into this place and they only do donuts and they only do two or three a day and there's two but uh, two or three types of donuts two, two or three not types all, two no, or three no, no, that'd no. be tough to the say lines out the door yeah um <laughs> and they hand roll them in front of you and then they they fry them in front of you. they're all misshapen they have you know the one we named was molasses bourbon. Um, they have like sesame, they, they interesting without going too far and they're just, I don't know. I'm not even a donut fan, but these things were from heaven. I mean, they were light and oh, hot. Yeah. I, I, yeah, we have a video coming with these yeah, guys too. So it's going to be pretty, I mean, I, that, I don't know. That's the dessert of the year. Kramer, did you, did you get the warm chick, chocolate chip cookies from Willa Jean in New Orleans? Absolutely. And um, t- what is it? What do they come with? These come with a beater with raw cookie dough attached to it and a cup of milk that tastes like cookies have already been dunked into it. Ooh. Are those little like specks of vanilla seeds yeah. in the milk? Oh yeah. my God. And the actual chocolate chip cookie itself, I mean, even if sh- the pastry chef there, Kelly Fields, even if she just served that, it would still have been on this list because it is such a good cookie. It's a great cookie. Um, all right. Also on the list, 
I, I, I had nothing to do with these lists, by the way, other than just making sure they read okay. Um, but the <laughs> the Labna Gelato at Superiority Burger in New York was one of the best things I ate last year. Yeah, well, it's funny because his whole thing is the Superiority Burger, which is the veggie burger. And then he's just sort of quietly making two flavors of ice cream a day. And he... Obviously, having been the pastry chef at Del Posto is very good at making ice cream. <laughs> and um, usually it, there's one flavor that's a sorbet, which is like whatever he found at the green market and then turned into a sorbet. And then there's usually a second flavor that's like a very creamy, luscious gelato. Um, and the one that I had the first time I went there was Labne, which is um, like a super rich yogurt. Um, and he has changed the flavors many times, but I'm always sort of fingers crossed it's going to be the Labna. Um, yeah, I agree with you on that one. Knowlton, I do not agree with you on this one. Um, having been to Philadelphia, for the best sandwich of the year, you guys chose the classic lox sandwich with like tomato and onion and cucumber at Philly-style bagels. First of all, that's not a sandwich. That's a bagel. You can't put a bagel with lox as sandwich of oh, the it's year. It's a bagel sandwich, Adam. Are you really an internet troll? <laughs> what? No, it's just not a sandwich. Well, first of all, if you, I don't even know if you read this right up, but um, it, a sandwich is 80% the bread you serve it on. It's no, true. No, no it is true. Obviously, it is true. obviously, obviously you, only you thing... did not listen to the podcast with Tyler Corden and me. Um, from number I seven, did. Sub. I actually did listen and we, to and that. We, and Tyler, who probably knows a bit more than you do about sandwiches, oh, was making the point that it's not about the bread. You just need a basic bread to hold the thing together. Oh, oh you but want, it's not so about the bread. So if I made bread. you a sandwich with like focaccia from Starbucks, you would say that was a good sandwich? <laughs> Don't say focaccia. I would say that the same thing like a potato roll, a Martin's potato roll for a burger. It doesn't overwhelm the burger. It complements the I don't the care what sandwich you get or whatever you want to call it, bagel, Adam. It's the, the bagels that they're putting out at South Philly Bagels are the best bagels in the country. They're boiled in yards uh, beer, the pride of Philadelphia, and they're phenomenal. And go have one. You haven't even had one. No, I have because I was there months ago before you were no, when Emil and no. I were in town. Have some of that. Well, that's why have, that's, have some of that. That's why Julie and I make the list and not you. Yeah, just got served. <laughs> um, now this, however, looks like a proper sandwich: Nana's meatloaf sandwich at Meckelberg's in NYC. What is Meckelberg's? You don't know Meckelberg's? I feel like I should know Meckelberg's. I don't oh get out God. much. We all need to go to Meckelberg's. <laughs> it is the craziest place in my neighborhood. Um, Which is? It's in Clinton Hill. Okay, Brooklyn. In Brooklyn. And um, it's looks, it's at the garden level, like the basement level. And it's a sort of specialty food store in the front. And then you walk to the back and there's this room that is practically windowless. <laughs> well, you're really selling it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, weirdly, back in this windowless room, they make all these amazing sandwiches and these crazy baked potatoes that they put caviar on top of. Mm. And they're like doing this, all this really ambitious food in the back of the specialty store. And people sit there. Oh, yeah. People hang out there. It's like a bar. Um, oh, there's a bar too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, you didn't mention that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Now yes, Nolte will go. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I was like, okay, we can go. And the sandwich that we chose for the list is their meatloaf sandwich, but they also have an incredible porchetta sandwich. And I mean, every sandwich could be on this list. All right. So you guys really piqued my curiosity. And um, the fact that I haven't been to Buff House in Chicago, ah. that annoys me because I was in Chicago with you last year and you guys didn't invite me. Well, I think you were going out with your sister or somebody, you, your wife, actually. You're going out with your wife that night. Uh, technicalities. Yeah. Yes. All right. Talk, <laughs> talk to me about Buff House and then talk to me about, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, and then talk to me about the cheesesteak there. 
We went to uh, Kramer and I went together yeah. uh, last year for um, Chicago Gourmet. Can you, so it's it's like a French steakhouse, or it's sort of German ish. They also have like Spetzel and. Um, you know who makes a good Spetzel? Me. You? I make a good Spetzel. <laughs> How did I guess? Oh, yeah, I got the little Spetzel cart that you go back and forth over the water and it drips in like little raindrops and. Maybe if you open a restaurant, we can put it in the hot tin. I would, and, but then the thing is, as good as a Spetzel are tossed in butter and parsley, they're better the next day when you fry them up in brown butter and they get all crispy. Um. In any case, Andrew and I had a really great dinner at Buff House, which is sort of like one of these newfangled steakhouse type places. Beautiful crudite, perfectly cooked steaks, you know, the whole like Tartar. 55 day dry age ribeye thing. But it's not all macho like Smith no, and not and all at that all. nonsense. The waiters aren't yelling at you like me. No, they're, they're, yeah. everyone's very chill, yeah. drinking your favorite natural wines. Oh, wow. That kind of vibe. It was the best steak. It was the best steak I had this year. I oh, really? really? Beef house. And, what, yeah. and what was the steak? Do you remember? It was a porterhouse. We had okay. a porterhouse for like four, you know, when oh, wow. it was 115, but it was just like seared crunchy and just molten salt and then it was like a perfect medium rare in the middle right. and it well, just had great flavor when we're in town for chicago beef house. May in, yeah. in september we're going and then about the sandwich itself so they do a cheesesteak oh. oh so they also serve lunch Ooh. so Pro um, move. yeah so on a subsequent visit i went back um for lunch and had an incredible cheesesteak um so it's actually funny we got a really nice note from someone about this particular article and the woman said, I just wanted to commend you guys for being so open-minded. Mm. You put a bagel sandwich from Philadelphia and a cheesesteak from <laughs> Chicago. Yeah, <laughs> Kramer, you have a thing for cheesesteaks. I just want to point that out. You know what? That's true. Yeah. I loved that cheesesteak in Atlanta yes. last year. Fred's. Yes, Fred's. Yeah. Like, like this out-of-the-world cheesesteak piled with Thinly shaved ribeye and white American cheese. I love mm. that the high and low. We'll do the American cheese, but we'll use really expensive ribeye to, with it. Best pizza of the year, which always, I imagine, elicits some comments. Mm. Um, you went with a pizza place in Portland, Oregon. This is Tommy Havitz um, of Bunk Sandwiches, which is sort of this cult. Portland, Oregon sandwich place. And he opened a pizzeria. But if you walked into this place, like you. Pizzeria is called Pizza Jerk. It's called Pizza Jerk. Great name. If you walked in, you would not think that this was a new pizza place. Like you would think this had been around since the 70s. But this is the kind, you told me it was like after baseball, well, after your like t-ball game, this is where your parents would take you and you'd get like Coke and like. A pitcher of soda and a a, a pie on a metal tray. Where I grew up there was a place called Barnaby's. Barnaby's. And, you, and, and you get a picture of pop, as they would say, yeah. back in Illinois? Yeah, these are giant, round pies. Big They're bubbles. I see the big bubbles on top Really bubbly, but not Neapolitan style. Like, crisp all the way through. They mm. are... He, Tommy, I think describes them as being Connecticut style. And he even has okay. a, a pizza that's, sto- that's topped with clams and bacon, which as is sort of your... Frank Pepe's yeah. and everything. yeah. Um, so Pizza Jerk sadly had a fire, so they're temporarily closed, um, but they are going to be reopening this month. Um, I love the fact, it's sort of a comment on where we are at as a country, and we've talked about this on the cast a lot, just how much good food there is everywhere. And number two on our best pizzas of the year is Pizza Mercato, Pizzeria Mercato in Carborough, North Carolina. 
So Carborough's just for those people who don't know is just across like the train tracks from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Okay, UNC. So this is the son of the Barkers who used to own Magnolia Grill in uh, one of the legendary Southern restaurants that closed a couple years back. So it's the son, and this is not like there's no wood burning oven or brick oven. This is he's just doing it on a classic pizza oven, and I think he, you know. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. He, the, what makes these pieces amazing is the farmer's market, the Carbo farmer's market, which is one of the best in the country, is literally across the street. So all the pizza, all the ingredients he's getting in the morning, and this one came with mustard greens with homemade fennel sausage, um, and you can put drizzle a little hot honey on it as well. And it's Pro just, move. It's, Love the honey uh, on so the good. pizza. And it's just, it's the same style as pizza jerk, which I'm kind of... I love Neapolitan style, but I'm kind of over that. I like the more pizzeria bidia, like the American classic, crispy through, and that's what he's doing over there. I feel I feel like every year there's a, a restaurant or two that becomes a staff favorite. Like you know, mm. used to be at Bon Appetit, used to be Estella. Now you've got Wild Air. Um, I think another one on that list is your number three pizza, uh, Emmy Squared in Brooklyn. Yeah, and Emmy Squared is actually on two of our best things we ate lists. They're also in the best fried chicken sandwiches and i think going to a pizza place and ordering a fried chicken sandwich would seem really weird but i would highly recommend that anyone who goes to emmy squared should get both you get a chicken sandwich as an appetizer right that's what you do um yeah yeah emmy squared's (laughs) in brooklyn sibling of um emily which was a pizza place in quinton hill but and there, the burger's good, right? There, they have an insane burger, and they also serve that burger in the basement bar underneath Emmy Squared, which is in Williamsburg. They do, they do like, ele- it's not elevated, but they do like junk food so well at the at Emmy Squared. Like, don't go if you're on a diet. Yeah, and so, it's, well, let's talk about this pizza, because this is, again, this is not this sort of Neapolitan artisanal pizza at all. This is... Right, so me. this is Detroit-style pizza, which... Um, I actually had when I was in Detroit working on the sister pie story. Um, Mm -hmm. So Detroit style pizza, the way they do it at Emmy Squared is sort of a hybrid of grandma style Sicilian slice and Chicago style deep dish. It's baked in like a sort of deep um, pan so that the edges are very sort of well oiled and crispy. And then they're sort of the, the height of focaccia. I don't know. It's the ideal pizza, in my opinion. It's like it it combines all the various styles of um, thick square cut pizza into like their best possible version. And, and one thing they do when you get the pepperoni, you know how when you get that good pepperoni and it makes that little well oh, in the oil. Cup. Yeah. yeah, God, it's the best. There's a little pool of fat in there. Yeah, and it gets crispy on the edges. When we went, we stopped by Emmy Squared uh, during the Bon Appetit um, editorial retreat, and we had a uh, scavenger hunt or whatever. After was it a scavenger hunt? What yeah, was yeah, that? we were on yeah. a scavenger hunt, a culinary. And we had to stop by there, and they made us play. Is it Flip Cup? Is that what yes. it's called? I never played this before. I went to college, and I never played Flip Cup. Yeah, but you you went to college in the 80s. Yeah, I know, in in Berkeley. So, but you put the solo (laughs) cups on the table and you have to flip them so they land upright. And then we have to chug it first. Yeah, you chug the you li- chug whatever we were doing Lambrusco, Lambrusco. <laughs> typically beer, <laughs> which is basically grape soda but with alcohol in it. And then you flip it on it, the edge, and uh-huh. it's got to land on its other end. Yeah, and we did two of those sort of uh, races. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was, was, that was fun. the best moment of my uh, past year, I would say. Doing this this list of the best things we ate came out a few weeks ago. What sort of feedback have you gotten or response? Um, I got a really 
funny, I guess, text from a friend of mine about the bakery that we named Best New Bakery in America, which is a place called RC Co. in San Francisco. And sometimes since we sort of pop into these cities, but we don't live there, it's hard to know exactly how popular a place Mm -hmm. is within that city. Like, obviously, if it's Tartine and there's a line out the door, you know that it's already a really crazy place. But like... RC Co. My sister lives in San Francisco and she had heard from a friend that it was this amazing bakery with these incredible croissants. And so I went and checked it out and was just blown away. And we ended up naming it Best Bakery of the Year. And then after the list came out, I got this text from my sister's friend that's like, did you do this? (laughs) And I was like, what do you mean? And, And she's like, is this your fault that RC Co. is on this list? Mm -hmm. And I was like, um, yeah. And she's like, well, you just ruined my bakery. (laughs) She's like, you don't understand. Like they're a very small operation. They cannot handle this type of attention. Like this is where I go to get my morning coffee. I take my quiet meetings here. Like not anymore. And I was like, I'm sure it'll die down. (laughs) I think this is one of the cool things about doing a list like this. Sometimes you, you lose sight of it when you're in the thick of it, writing it and you're stressed out and like, you're just, you know, in New York at One World Trade Center and you don't realize it, but then you write about a place like Trompo in Dallas, which is a taco place, or South Philly Bagels, and then you see on Instagram that, you know, they posted at 11 o'clock or noon that they're sold out for the day. And that's, I don't know, that's what makes it really special to me and like, not to sound cheesy, but that's kind of why I do it, like to shed a light on these places that a lot of other magazines and don't really recognize no, and that's are, what makes it cool yeah, for us i think small businesses yeah. that that need the support absolutely okay andrew knowlton and joy kramer thanks for coming on and uh good luck next year you guys got you basically got to get started right now right we're already started already started all right look for the uh hot 10 america's best new restaurants at bonappetit.com or in the september issue of bon app thanks guys thanks thank you podcast has been brought to you by Christina Che and Carrie Polis, with editing by Mitra Kaboli and additional help from Lily Sherman, Emma Wardsman, and Ashley Mason. Our theme music is by Valerie and the Greedies. We have new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to tell us about this or any episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. Plus, right now we're offering an exclusive deal for you, our podcast listeners. You can get 50% off a one-year subscription to Bon Appetit magazine. That's just $6 for 12 issues. You'll also get our current issue plus an exclusive apron. Go to bonappetit.com slash foodcast to subscribe.